tonight, I want to teach on being quick, on being quick. Uh, this isn't a message about speed or, or agility, so, so don't be concerned about that. Uh, this is more rather dealing with the things in your heart. Um, you know, it's sometimes not enough to know what to do. We also have to learn how to do it and the timing that God is calling us to do it. James chapter 1 verse 19 says this, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So James is giving us some instruction here to the church. He's saying, hey, uh, you know, it's not enough to just listen. He's saying be slow to listen. Be, or I'm sorry, be quick to listen and be slow to speak. And how many of you guys know if you're a little bit like me, we might get that backwards every now and again, right? You might be a little quick uh, to, to speak and a little slower to listen. So he's telling us what to do and he's giving us the timing of it. Uh, there's another portion in Ephesians where, where Paul is talking to the church. He says, hey, be angry. But don't, don't sin in that anger. Don't, don't allow that sin or that anger, uh, don't allow the sun to set on that. You know, because things can happen if we just dwell on it and if we are too quick to become angry. So here James is saying, hey, be slow to wrath. Be a little slow to get angry. So there's some timing with it. Uh, we must learn the godly way to react. Uh, but not only do we need to learn what, but that timing. So Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says this. Above all else, somebody say this with me, above all else, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So it's a command that nobody else can do this the way you can do this for your own heart. He says, uh, Proverbs says, guard your heart, because everything you do flows from it. Uh, in the New King James, it says, keep your heart, because out of it spring the issues of life. So guard your heart. Uh, you know, this is something, of course, that you can do. you got to guard it, keep it, protect it, uh, because it's from the heart that you speak. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Uh, it's when you believe, you believe in your heart, and that belief then turns into an action. So you can say it this way. Everything you do or the way you react, the way you live your life, you can trace it back to your heart. It's all about your heart. So because of that, we must guard it. And one of the effective ways of guarding your heart is by not allowing certain things to take residence in your heart. And that's what I want to talk to you guys about tonight is, is, is not allowing things that shouldn't be in your heart to come into your heart and to, to just take residence in your heart. Uh, one time the, scri the scribes and the Pharisees came to Jesus and they, you know, they accused Jesus of certain things he did. And in this particular case in Matthew 15, they're coming up to Jesus and they're saying, why are your disciples transgressing the laws or the traditions of the elders by not washing before they eat bread? And so Jesus does a couple things here. You know, you got to love Jesus the way he responds. So many times Jesus doesn't respond to what you're saying uh, out of intellect. What he's doing many times in the, in, the, in the encounters with Jesus is that he's responding to your heart. He's responding uh, more to why you're asking the question or why you're confronting this. And so in this particular case, they're accusing Jesus' disciples of transgressing the, the traditions of the elders. And so Jesus does a couple things here. Number one is he puts the ball back in their court and he says, why are you forsaking the commandment of God by your tradition? 
And he teaches them and schools them a little bit about honoring your father and your mother and how they're neglecting that because they're so focused on the traditions that they have. The second thing that Jesus does is he takes the people that were around him and he teaches them a little bit about what this whole situation is. And he brings it back to the matter of the heart. And he makes this statement that is so profound. He says, it's not what comes in the mouth that defiles a man, but it's what comes out of the mouth that defiles him. And in Matthew 15, 17, he says this, do you not yet understand because they didn't really realize, didn't understand what he meant by saying that. So Jesus clarifies, he says that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and it is eliminated. So a little bit of digestive system 101 by Jesus Christ here. But he says, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. And that's what defiles a man. It's what comes from the heart that defiles a man. So I want to share just uh, uh, three things with you tonight, if you're taking notes, about what we need to do and how to be quick about specific things and what we encounter or how we react so that things don't settle in the heart to where it can defile us, to where we are so far from where we intended to be because we didn't deal with these things at the, at the forefront. They took residence in our heart, and now we're way over here when we intended to be here. So the first one is this, be quick to believe. Be quick to believe. Of course, Ephesians 2.8 says this, For by grace you have been saved, and it's through faith. It's through your faith. Um, and it's not of yourselves, but it is the gift of God. So there is this faith that we use, that we need. It's by God's grace, but it's through our faith. So there's the saving grace that we all begin with. Everybody here that says, Jesus Christ is my Lord, he is my Savior, you have had to come to a place in your life where you surrendered what you knew and you had faith, and that faith encounter had an encounter with the grace of God. And now here we are saying that we are saved, that we are born-again believers. The thing about faith and the thing about believing is that we all come to a place of faith, but that is not where we leave faith. You can say it this way. We never get to a place in our life where we no longer need to exercise faith. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Romans 1, 17 says, for the just shall live by faith. Galatians 2.20 says that it's no longer I who live, but uh, I have been crucified. And the life with, with Christ, the life that I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me, who died for me. So we are called believers because that's what we do. We believe. And so I believe that in, in, in talking about guarding your heart and keeping your heart, that we have to grow to a place where we believe God and we believe him quickly. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5 says this. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So believing and faith is of the heart and it is not of your understanding. To trust, in this, this, this Hebrew word, to trust is to completely rely on. It is to lean on, to depend on. It almost gives this, um, this definition of carelessness, not necessarily that you're doing it because you don't care, but you're doing it so much in Christ that you don't care so much about the other things that would taint that trust in the Lord. And so it says to trust in the Lord with all of your heart 
And to contrast that, to, to, to tell you what the opposite is, it says do not lean on your own understanding. Because faith and because your believing is of the heart, then there is a way that we can do this rather quickly and we don't have to wait for our uh, logic, our reasoning to catch up with what God is telling us to do. So it says trusting is of the heart. Genesis 22, a story about Abraham of the Bible. Uh, verse 1, uh, God commands Abraham and asks him to do something very, very big. The Bible says he tests his faith. So Genesis 22 says this. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. You know, he had to add that right there, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering and he arose and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw that the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. Here we have Abraham, who at this point in his life, he has been walking with God. God has asked him to come out from the, the land of the father, his fathers and his mothers, uh, the land that he knew. And he called him out, and he, and he gave him this amazing promise. Abraham, by this time, had, had recognized the voice of God. By this time, he had made decisions and moved and moves to say, this was totally God, and I can see that it was God because here are the blessings by it. So here's Abraham, where he has gone to a place to where he believes God. What's so amazing about this story is that uh, he grew to a level of faith. Listen to this in, in, in the scripture, Genesis 22. It says that he arose early in the morning. Notice that he did that. I mean, it's, it's not a crazy thing that God asked them to, to, to offer something. Because in this time, that's what they did. They, they made sacrifices. What was crazy is what he had, had asked Abraham to offer. He had asked him to offer his own son. Just put yourself in Abraham's shoes for a minute. If you were to think about this, you know, and reason with this, the longer that you take to believe, to, to come to a place of, to believe, to make you obey, the harder it is to believe God. The Bible says that he arose the early the next morning. I mean, Abraham didn't even sleep in. He didn't wait for days to go by. He didn't wait for weeks to go by. He didn't wait to really dwell on this and say, you know, this really doesn't make sense to me, so therefore I'm not sure if this is God. The way that we can get to a place where we can believe God and believe God quickly is by this, is knowing that our faith is in God and not so much in what God has said. Because here's the truth. The promise was Isaac. Okay? This is what God had told him before. I have given you this seed, and out of this seed I'm going to make you a father of many nations. But the promiser is God. And Abraham's dilemma here was not so much that he didn't know who God was. It was that he didn't know how God was going to do what he promised him to do. But I believe that Abraham came to a place in his faith where he knew who God was. He knew that God was not a liar. He knew that God was going to perform his word and do what he had said to him no matter what. If you continue to read in the Bible in Hebrews 11, it talks about the, the, the faith of many people in the Bible. And it says in Hebrews 11 that by faith, Abraham rose to sacrifice his son, concluding 
that God would raise him up from the dead. And so it's amazing to me because it says that, listen to Abraham's faith. He, sa- he says, myself and the lad will come back to you after this. Even though God just said to sacrifice and to kill your son for me. Abraham says, listen, wait here. We both will be coming back soon. So Abraham didn't really know what was going to happen. He didn't know how it was going to happen. Hebrews 11 says maybe he was going to sacrifice Isaac, but at least he had the faith that he would be resurrected there and he'd still bring Isaac back home to mama. Because God is, God, God is good, and because he said it would be through Isaac, it's going to be through Isaac somehow, some way. Abraham came to a point into his life, and now we, we recognize him as, as a father of faith, right? We, we, when we study Abraham's life, is, that's one of the biggest things that we think about with Abraham is, man, he had faith. By faith, he was righteous before God. By faith, he did what God had called him to do. The key to coming to a place where you completely guard your heart from doubt and unbelief and uh, it's insecurities and fear and pride is by coming to a place in your heart where you decide before God calls you to do something, before you find something in God's word, that you're going to decide to believe it and believe it the moment you know it's God's voice. Because what that does is it keeps your heart tender and it keeps your faith growing. The opposite is that if we dwell longer, if we take time when we know that it's God, then we, we, we tend to come into this, uh, it becomes more familiar to us to, to push it aside. And as we push it aside more and more, it's harder to believe God down the road. Uh, just a couple months ago, a few months ago, after Sunday night service, I was driving home. And uh, I go by way of M- M6 and I take an exit um, over by uh, 131. And as I'm driving home, uh, I see that there was a man that was, his car, he was broken down. And he was just sitting there. And people were passing by. Now it's not, I'll be honest with you, it's not every time that I see somebody that needs help, I stop and I help them. But this particular time, I felt that the Holy Spirit spoke to me and, and he asked me to stop. And, you know, right at that moment, Things go through your mind, right? Things, are my kids with me? If my kids are with me, I don't know if I can do this. Uh, does he look like he's a nice guy? You know, all of you start to reason. The longer you reason, the more you reason, the harder it is to discern that it's God. I didn't know the whole story, and you don't have to know the whole story. Abraham didn't know the whole story. Because when you realize, when you study the, 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 that story of Abraham, right when he was about to lift up the knife and sacrifice Isaac, the angel of the Lord said, Abraham, wait, wait, wait. God was testing you. There's a, there's, a, there's a ram, there's a go here, we want to sacrifice that. And it was a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. By the way, uh, the, there's a joke that says, what is the race of the angel of the Lord? Well, if he had an ethnicity, what would it be? And, uh, you know, we say, well, he's, he's Caucasian. He's, he's American because he was right. If he was a Mexican, he would have been there. Late Isaac would have been dead and we would have had the whole mess. Now, now I can say that because I'm Mexican, so it's all right. You guys can laugh. So he was right on time, right on time. So back to my story here. I'm driving, and uh, I, 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 I see that this guy, you know, needs help, obviously. I don't know how long he was there, but I didn't know those story. I just knew that God had asked me to stop, so I stopped. Um, so I went up to him, and I introduced myself, and uh, he was just in a dilemma. He was just very, very distraught. He didn't know what to do. He's just kind of hopeless, been there for a while. So I said, listen, I I can help you out, man. You can hop into my car. We can go see if maybe you need gas or whatever. We did all these things. Nothing nothing worked out. 
So I said, hey, man, what's your name? I'm Dennis. Well, I'm Daniel. Nice to meet you. We start talking. I said, at the very least, what I can do is let's push your car off to the side, and I can at least take you home. So while we're driving home, the Holy Spirit nudges me, and he says, he is right next to you. And he gives me this, this, this prompting to just share the gospel with him. And I, real, I figure out, well, he's, he's kind of depending on me to take him home. So I can share whatever I want with him. And I don't think he's leaving anywhere, right? So, by the way, side note, I believe when you, when you share with people, I believe that it's important to know that when there is a need, people seem to be more open to the gospel uh, than in other times. Uh, when is the right time to share the gospel? All the time. But when there's a need, even more so, even more so. And God was reminding me of that at that time. So I started to talk with him, and uh, I started to share my faith and a little bit of uh, what I knew about the Lord. And he opened his heart to me. By the time we get to his house, which is about 15 minutes later, we are both praying. He's in my car. He is sobbing. He receives Jesus Christ in his life. Come on, go ahead. Give it to Jesus. And I just, felt, I just felt this need to stay in touch with him, you know, to not just say, hey, you received Jesus, good luck. I invited him to church, and unfortunately, he wasn't able to come to, to church here at Res Life. But he said, we, I, I called him, you know, we exchanged numbers, and he told me, he said, you know, when I, the, 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 the following uh, day, I ran into one of my, my cousins who was going to church, and he invited me to church, and I went to church, I went to the altar, I received Jesus again, and I received the Holy Spirit Filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, and my life is forever changed. Thank you so much for stopping just that one time to just do something and, and hear me out. And so I didn't know that the end of that story. What I did know is that God, Jesus, was prompting me to stop. Had I not been quick to believe that it was Jesus, had I not been quick to believe that God can use me, had I not been quick to believe that just with a conversation that Jesus can do something so powerful... I could have just reasoned, I could have thought about all the excuses, and could again just pass by. And who knows? I mean, I, I, I tend to believe that God was getting a hold of him, so he would have got a hold of him somehow, some way. But I was so blessed that I was a part of that. And so, believe God, but believe him quickly. Believe him, and don't allow doubt to settle. Don't allow your reasoning and your logic, because if you don't know by now, many times God will stretch you. He'll put you out of your comfort zone, and he'll ask you to do something that might seem crazy to you, but if you just believe like Abraham, you're going to see the hand of God and realize that this is so much bigger than us. So here's number two, is to be quick to forgive. Be quick to forgive. Uh, Mark eleven twenty five says, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anybody, anything against anybody else. The context of this scripture here in Mark eleven twenty five, Jesus just performed this amazing miracle to where he cursed the, the fig tree that was not producing figs, it wasn't producing its fruit, and by the time they came back around, the tree was withered. And so Jesus teaches his disciples about faith. He talks to them about believing God, a mountain-moving faith. If you have the faith to just speak this out, to believe it in your heart, and to speak it out, to make this mountain move, that you can believe it and have what you say according to God's will. Right after this amazing teach teaching, the next verse, he's saying, by the way, while you're praying, if you have anything against anybody, forgive them. 
so that God can forgive you too. I, be, I believe that this is a connection. I don't believe there's a disconnect between where your heart is and where your faith is. I say it this way. Your, your faith is more effective when your heart is pure before God and pure before people. Galatians 5, 6, that faith works by love, by love. And so uh, the thing to do is to forgive, and the way to do it is quickly. 1 Peter 3, 7 uh, says this. It says, husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. It doesn't say your wife is the weaker vessel. It's saying honor your wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. That your prayers may not be hindered. I believe that your prayers have a connection, direct connection to where your heart is and whether you are uh, sitting on unforgiveness or bitterness or any of those sorts of things in your heart. Those things can hinder your prayers. Uh, we were in an event one time, and uh, we had a, it was a marriage event, and I asked a couple that were there, they were standing because they were the, the longest married, over 60 years. And I asked, I said, what would you share with all of us about your marriage and about staying married for this long? And, uh, you know, the, the woman just, the wife, she's looking, and she kind of looks at her husband, and she looks at me, and she says, you need to learn to forgive a lot. And then she looked back at him. And we're like, maybe they're forgiving each other right now. I don't know. But, you know, it's kind of funny, but it's so true. It's so true. You know, forgiving is something that we do, but we continue to do, just like believing. Believing is something we do. We start out in the faith, but we don't stop doing that. Forgiving is what we do and we should do in the beginning, but we never stop to do that. It is to continue to forgive. Um, again, your faith is effective when your heart is right. The longer that you take to forgive somebody, the harder, that it, the harder it may become to finally surrender and forgive and release whatever it is that God is asking you to do. The longer it is you take to forgive, uh, the harder that it might be. Because when you forgive, you are set free. You are set free. Uh, if you do not choose to forgive, there is a higher chance. Talking about, again, guarding your heart. Talking about what Jesus said. It's out of the heart that defiles a man. It's not what comes in, but it what comes out. And so when you choose to hold on to unforgiveness, what, what that leads to is that leads to bitterness. That leads to, that, that takes your, you know, you don't just stay in unforgiveness. It, it takes you to a place that, you don't intend to be. It takes you to a place of bitterness. It takes you to a place of maybe envy or, or even hate. Um, you know, there are things that it can take you and it builds off of if you never deal with it. And the longer that it settles, the longer that it's there, the harder it is to deal with it. Um, I believe one of the reasons that some people find it hard to forgive is because um, they have a misunderstanding of what forgiveness is. Uh, there might be a misunderstanding to say that if I forgive somebody, then I'm giving them permission to do whatever they did to me before. And I don't want to do that, so therefore I'm not going to forgive. But that's not true. Another misunderstanding is that uh, when you forgive somebody, you think you have to allow them in your life at the level or the degree that they were prior to this offense or prior to this trust that was broken or compromised. 
And it's very important to note that there is, a for, there is a difference between forgiving somebody with the love of God and trusting, and trusting that person again to where they were in your life before. I remember I was talking with a, a friend of mine. We were at a small group, and uh, he, he, he said, hey, man, can I talk to you, just you and I? And uh, I said, sure thing. So we went to another area in the home, and we were talking, and he was sharing with me about how, you know, he was just struggling with, with just growing in faith and just different things at church. And he says, and I think I know why. I think there are some things in my heart that I haven't dealt with yet from my past regarding unforgiveness. And he told me, uh, he told me about this story where he was at his best friend's house. And at this home, there were several other couples uh, that they were hanging out. And uh, I, I think there was alcohol involved in this time. And this was kind of before he was really serving Jesus. And so it, it, was, it was a place where it was just not a good setup in the first place. So by the end of the night, his best friend and his girlfriend had a dispute. And they're just, you know, not at terms with each other, he gets very loud and he starts to become violent. This is my friend's best friend. And he gets so violent to where my friend comes up and he says, hey, you guys need to relax and separate, not knowing that his best friend had a knife in his hand. And, and I'm just like shocked. I'm like, I, I didn't think you were going to share this with me, man. He says, he says his friend got so upset with him that he stabbed him. And so, you know, it, Thankfully, it wasn't a, a, a serious injury, but it was obviously an injury. But what was fascinating to me while I was listening to my friend, he said, he said you know what, man? He's like, it's not the fact that he stabbed me that, I mean, the, it's not that I got stabbed that is really hard for me. It's the fact that my best friend, my friend, did this to me. And he has not done anything to reach out to me, to apologize. He has done nothing to, to, to repent from this and to say sorry or anything. And he says, I don't know how, God's telling me to forgive, I don't know how I can do that. I don't know how I can come to a place where I just release what he did and just say what he did was okay. And we talked for the next 10, 15 minutes. And I shared this with him. I shared, him, I shared this truth with him to say, forgiveness is unconditional. Forgiveness is something that we do because God forgave us. Jesus forgive, forgave us. Forgiveness is something that we do so that we can be forgiven. But trust is something that needs to be rebuilt. Trust is something that is built over time. And when it's broken, when it's compromised, when it's violated, then it takes time to build back to that place of trust. And I just remember the weight being lifted off of him when he received that truth. He began to cry, and I prayed with him, and together we, I led him in a prayer to forgive his best friend. And, and it was amazing to me because he said this. He said, you know, all this time I thought that the moment I forgave him, then I had to just be his best friend like nothing ever happened. And I said, that's not necessarily the case. But we forgive because of the love that's inside of us. And with that love, that unconditional love that says it doesn't matter what or how or why, but because I was forgiven, I will forgive with that same love. But because there's a, there was a friendship there, because trust was, 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 was broken, then that trust had to be rebuilt. And depending on whatever the offense is, then that trust might look different. That restoration to trust might look different. In this case, uh, he had to reach out to him and do his part in forgiveness. And uh, to be honest with you, I'm not sure if he received, the, the best friend received it the way he 
you know, he intended to. But the, the truth is that my friend was set free that day. And he came back to me. We, we met uh, a couple times after. And he said, you know what? Since that time, I've just been set free. God's been doing things in my heart. Because he came to a place where he was bitter, where he was just almost hating his friend. And that affected his relationship with Jesus. That affected his relationship with the church. That affected his relationship with other people, with other friends. He didn't want to allow people to get close because he says, what, do you, what if they do something like this guy did to me? The fact that he stabbed me, okay, whatever, maybe a stranger stabbed me, but this was my best friend. I can't believe he did this to me. That night he was set free and he understood the power of forgiveness. And so the thing to do is to forgive and the, the, the way to do it, is to forgive quickly. So I want to just share about, about forgiving three things. They start with a D, and, and the number one is this, is you have to decide to forgive. You have to make a decision to forgive. The longer you wait, the longer you put it off, or if you say, you know, if, sudden, if the stars line up this way, or uh, if this and this happens, then I will do it. Or if he comes to me or whatever, then I'll do it. But the decision has to be made on your end to forgive. Um, Romans 5.8 says this, God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us. He, he, he paid for the price of our sins. He did this even while we were sinners. He did this even yet not knowing and not deserving and not understanding what he was doing. He decided to forgive whether we were going to come to faith or not. And I believe that we need to come to a place where we decide that we will choose to forgive no matter what. We will forgive if that person gets it or not. We will forgive because we want the forgiveness of God in our lives and because we don't want our hearts to become bitter. We don't want to be pushed away from Jesus. We don't want our hearts to be hardened, and we want to be set free. So number one is decide. Number two is depend. Depend on God. Uh, unforgiveness is supernatural. Can I tell you that? It's a supernatural thing. Many times when we think about something supernatural, we think about a miraculous event that happened. It's got to be amazing and spectacular and wow. But there are so many things that are supernatural that are very simple on the outside. But it takes a supernatural faith to be able to do it. To love somebody and not even know who they are, to see them the way God sees them even though they're not there yet, that is something supernatural. That is something that you cannot do in your own ability. That is something that you cannot do in your own love. That is something that we depend on Jesus Christ and on God's love. Romans 5, 5 says, Now hope does, not, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The reason we can love the way God asks us to love, the reason and the way we can forgive, the way Jesus is asking us to forgive, is by depending on the love that has been shed abroad our hearts. That same love that Jesus loved us with, that same forgiveness that he forgave us with, it lives, that, that love lives inside of you. It is inside of you, and you have to decide to forgive and depend on Jesus, depend on that love, that agape love, to say that I can do this in, with God, with God's help. And then number three is to do it. I know that's deep theology right there, but it's true. It is just to do it. Because why? Because it takes faith to do it. It takes faith to forgive. It really does. Because you don't know what the outcome might be from the other person. 
And I believe that God's will is that there would be reconciliation, that there would be forgiveness on both ends. But sometimes that doesn't always happen. But at least on one party, you can say that I did my part and I did what God asked me to do. I forgave. I came and and apologized or I came and owned up. I took responsibility. Yeah, but it wasn't my fault. But yet there is still responsibility that we have on our end to release that offense. Forgiveness, the definition of forgiveness is literally to cancel a debt. That's what it means. It's as if I asked a loan from somebody and I never paid them back. And that person has the decision to say, hunt me down and be mad at me or, 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 or to do something towards me to make me to pay. And sometimes that's the case. But it is, to, it is to say that canceled. You owe me nothing. You owe me nothing. It is canceled. That debt is canceled. That is what forgiveness means. That this person owes me nothing. I will forgive them with the love of God. I will do it by faith. And I'm not going to wait for anything to happen. I'm not going to wait for this person to own it up. When I can own my end, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it by faith. So decide, depend, and do it. Repent, or I'm sorry, uh, forgive, and forgive quickly. Number three is be quick to repent. Be quick to repent. First uh, John 1.9 if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Proverbs 28:13 says, "He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy." Will have mercy. Uh, you don't have to be living for Jesus for a long time uh, to know that when you receive Jesus Christ, everything you dealt with before Jesus Christ doesn't just magically disappear. If you're dealing with pride, if you're dealing with lust, if you're dealing with any kind of sin, uh, sometimes when you receive Jesus, some of that stuff can fall off of you. But many times we have to work that out as we receive Jesus. When you receive Jesus, the newness that is about that happens is inside your spirit. But we still have the same mind that might still have some thoughts that are not according to God's word. We still have the same flesh with its same desires. And so that's why James says, receive with meekness the implanted word of God that is able to save your souls. Because your spirits have been saved, but your souls is a process of saving. And so you don't have to be loving, you know, serving Jesus for a long time that, to know that when you receive Jesus, all sins go away. Jesus came and he dealt with our sin nature, but we still are not perfected in our flesh, in our mind. And so there are times where we sin and we miss the mark when we fall short of the glory of God. But this is such an amazing promise that says, when you sin, confess your sins to Jesus because he's faithful and he's just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And so we have to repent and we have to do it quickly. The word repent, what that literally means, if I can give you a visual, is if you're going this way, the word repent literally means to change direction and go the other way. It is to turn from something and towards something else. That is, that is what it means to repent. And so we do that when we come to Jesus, but we have to do that whenever there is something that is not connecting with our hearts and our minds according to the word of God. According to God's word, again, talking about guarding your hearts, talking about what defiles a man comes from inside your heart. And so if we dwell on sin and we choose not to deal with sin, what the dangers of that and what happens is that 
sin can become normal to our lives. And the longer we wait to repent, the longer we wait to deal with something, uh, a sin in our life, the harder our heart gets towards that issue. The, no longer are we sensitive. Sometimes no longer we are, we're not bothered by this specific thing that once bothered us. And so uh, to repent is, 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 is something that we do in our hearts. It is something that we, when we come together, we say, uh, we confess our sins to Jesus. We come to Jesus and we talk about the matter with Jesus. Uh, James also talks about confessing our sins to one another so that we would be healed. And so there is a confession that takes place. There is an admitting that takes place. But it's not just there because repenting means to turn away from. And so the other part of repenting is to change your thoughts and to change your mind on that matter, on that specific thing that maybe tripped you up or the thing that you're having, that you're struggling with. It is to renew your mind. Romans 12 talks about renewing your mind so that you would be transformed. If you want to change what you do, you have to change what you think. And to get God's mind on that matter and not just, uh, not just allow yourself to be sorry about it and to be repentant in your heart, you also have to repent in your mind. And so we have to repent and we have to do it quickly. Uh, again, the harder your heart can turn towards God. And, the, and number two, when we wait too long to repent, is the greater the possibility of strongholds being formed uh, in your mind. You know, a stronghold is a pattern of thoughts. A stronghold is, is, is something that, that happens in your mind to where it became such a reality to you and it became uh, so common to you and such a, a habit to you that now your thoughts have changed according to this thing. And so when you have gone to a place too far, you have to break a stronghold. You have to change your thoughts. You have to many times get other people involved. I think about uh, King Saul when I think about this. King Saul was the first king of Israel. And he had, he had times where he did something contrary to what God had asked him to do. He sinned against God. He sinned against the people of God. And when confronted... You know, he, he was sorry about it, but he never changed his mind about it. He never changed his actions about it. And so there was not really a repentance that happened. There was just a, you know, I'm sorry that this happened. I'm sorry that I was caught with this. And so there, there was not a true repentance. And as a result, when you study the life of King Saul, you see that he went from a place to where there was an opportunity to do something different. He came to a place to where he didn't even recognize God's anointed in front of him. He was to a place where he was so far from God to where the, the Bible says that the kingdom was stripped from his hands. It was so far. It was so difficult. By the time Samuel came to him with the last thing, it was already too late for him in his heart. He had become so hard in his heart. He had become so distant from God. On the contrast, on the, on the, on the opposite end, you think about repenting quickly and repenting well. You think about King David the king that was right after King Saul. And David is known as, God, as, as a man after God's own heart. And when you study the life of David, it's not that his heart was after God's heart because he was perfect, but it was mainly because of what he did after doing something he shouldn't have done. And one of the biggest stories with King David and his biggest mess-ups is that uh, you know, the Bible says that one day he, you know, the, 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 the Israel went out to war and he decided to hold back. 
You guys know this story? He started way back. He was up on his roof, and he saw a woman bathing, Bathsheba. And right away, you know, the thoughts were going, and he didn't do anything at that moment to stop it. And so he called for, for, for her to come up to his place, and, and he committed adultery with her. And it didn't stop there. He asked, he basically had her husband, Uzziah, killed by asking that he go to the forefront of the, of the battle. Because he was so captivated by her, and he had this plan that he was going to be with this woman, even though she was already married. So that was sin. That's called committing adultery. And so Nathan the prophet, the prophet at this time, comes to David. He tells him this story. And David responds by saying, this man in the story you're telling me didn't do right. He has to pay. And Nathan says, you're that man. So he confronts David in his sin. The thing, the, the, the thing that David says immediately after this confrontation is the key. He says, I have sinned against God. I have sinned against God. I believe that that was the reason that David was able to continue to do what God called him to do. I believe that that was the reason that David was able to conquer the things that God placed in his hand. And that's the reason that he was a man after God's own heart was because he recognized that what he did was sin. He took responsibility of it. He owned it. And he repented immediately. The Bible says he fasted after that. He repented to God. And when you read the Psalms, you're going to run into Psalms 51. Psalms 51 was written by King David. And it's believed that he wrote that at this time where he was fasting, where he was praying, where he was repenting towards God. And in that Psalm, he says, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Uh, return to me the joy of my salvation. I have sinned and only against you and only you have I sinned. David learned this, that he was able to repent and do it quickly so that he didn't get to a place where he was so distant from God, where he was so far from God, and now he's at a place where he says, it's so hard to come back to the beginning. It's so hard to come back to where I was sensitive. It's so hard to come back to where when, when I did something wrong, I realized it was wrong and it bothered me. And so I want to come back to that place. Uh, there's a story of a man when teaching on, on this subject uh, that a preacher shares and he says that there was a man that would come to his house and he'd drink scorching, scorching hot coffee. Like scorching hot. Like if you were to touch it, you'd burn your skin. He says that he would do it like nothing. And he's like, how can he do that like nothing? Just drink scorching hot coffee and just drink it like as if it was lukewarm. Well, this man was able to get to a place where he can handle this scorching hot coffee. He didn't start off by drinking super hot coffee and nothing happened he he was drinking hot coffee and he just liked it hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter and it came to a place where it just didn't affect him anymore it didn't hurt him anymore it didn't it wasn't sensitive there anymore the bible talks about searing your conscience to where you know you you get so used to it and you begin to get so hard towards it that that it is no longer it doesn't bother you anymore and you wonder why have i gone so, to the place that is so far from here. Well, I don't think it happens overnight. I think it happens gradually. And the reason it happens gradually is because we don't do it quickly. So my goal tonight was to just share about your heart. To remind you that it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. Jesus said in that story in Matthew 15 about the, the scribes and Pharisees coming to him and accusing his disciples. He says, he says, you know, these are the same people that come to me with their lips 
and I hear their praises, but their hearts are far from me. Their hearts are far from me. I can hear their words, but, but it's all about the heart. I don't think God is looking for perfection. I don't think your wife or your husband is looking for perfection. I don't think this church is looking for perfection. I think that God is looking for a sincere heart. I think that God is looking for a heart that says, you know what, I'm not perfect, but I'm going to own my end. I'm going to forgive quickly. I'm going to repent quickly. I'm going to believe quickly. I'm not going to allow doubt and unbelief to settle. I'm not going to allow bitterness and hate to settle. And I'm not going to allow sin to settle. Because God has called me to be to do something greater than what these things would hold me back to do. And I will not allow to be defiled. I will serve God with all I got. Church, would you stand with me as I pray with you before we're dismissed? Now, the goal is to do these things quickly, but I realize that there might be some, some, some people here that say, man, you know, it's been a long time since I did and I followed through and I believed what God told me to do. Or I forgave somebody. It's been years and I need to do that. Or, or there's been some things, some, some sin that I tolerated in my life I haven't dealt with. The thing to do is to do it quickly. But the good news is that it's never too late. That you can release things to God and I want to give you the opportunity before we leave to do that tonight. To say, Jesus, I surrender my heart to you. Maybe one of these things talk to you and you know that what you need to do. And I maybe just was used by God to remind you to encourage you and to help you stir that faith up to do what you have to do. So would you bow your heads with me, close your eyes as I pray over you. And as I do this, right now, because God is in this place, the Holy Spirit is in this place, would you surrender what you ever, whatever you need to do, just surrender it to Jesus? Just say, Lord, by your grace, with your love, I forgive. God, you know, you've been telling me and asking me to do this. I'm going to take a step of faith. I don't know what it looks like at the end, but I know it's your voice, and I'm going to take the next step, and I'm going to believe you, and I'm going to obey you. Or maybe there's something in your heart, something you've been tolerating. Say, Lord, I forgive. I, I repent from this, and I confess this to you. I confess this sin to you, Jesus, and I know that you are good. You are just to forgive me. So, Father, as we pray, Lord, in this place, Holy Spirit, I thank you for your power that empowers us, that embraces us, that convicts us, does not condemn us, but convicts us. Jesus, I pray, Lord, that we surrender our hearts to you tonight and that you would receive our hearts, that you would come in the middle of wherever we are with our faith. And I ask, Lord, that faith would be restored and doubt would leave. Lord, I pray over every heart in this place. And I pray, Lord, if there have been things that have been settled and taking residence in their hearts, Lord, that they would just kick these things out tonight in Jesus' name. All unforgiveness, all bitterness, all strife, all pride in Jesus' name have to go. All sin, every addiction, everything that has created a, a stronghold in Jesus' name, may it be broken tonight. And may we receive forgiveness. May we receive your love. May we receive faith. And may we advance the kingdom of God in this place. In Jesus' name. Now as we continue with our head bows and our eyes closed, I want to give an opportunity for somebody to do those things tonight. Maybe you're here tonight and you haven't given your life to Jesus. You haven't surrendered completely to Jesus. 
Maybe you've been living for yourself, but tonight you're stirred up to give your life to God and allow him to be the Lord of your life. Allow him to set up his kingdom in your heart. If that's you tonight, I want to invite you to believe tonight. I want to invite you to receive forgiveness tonight. I want to invite you to repent tonight and to receive God-given life for you. So if that's you, would you raise your hand and you say, Pastor Daniel, I want to give my life to Jesus tonight. I want to surrender to him tonight. God bless you. I see you. God bless you. Is there anybody else that says, pray with me tonight. I want to give my life to Jesus. I don't want to live for myself anymore. God bless you, man. I see you back there. I want to live for Jesus from this day forward. You won't be perfect, but you'll be forgiven. So church, when we pray with these people that raise their hand, let's The Bible says if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died for you, he was raised from the dead on the third day, if you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, that you will be saved. So we're going to pray this prayer, but as we pray, believe it in your heart that this is true. The Bible says that you will be saved. So let's say, Jesus, I come to you just as I am, and I surrender my heart to you. I give you my life. All that's good and all that's bad, I surrender it to you. And in return, I receive you. I receive your life in me. And from this day forward, I choose to live for you. I choose to believe you and to advance your kingdom in this place. In Jesus' name.